Are you listening to Discovery Debrief? And uh, so did I. It's Jason Isaacs, who was, at some point, some version of Captain Lorca. Right now, I'm just a fan. Welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast setting a course to discuss the future of the final frontier in Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Prodigy, Discovery, and more. I'm co-host Cicero Holmes, and I'm joined again by my number one, Tyler Monaghan. How you doing, Ty? Uh, I'm sending you the uh, mathematical formula for uh, myself and and you and Moises, and uh, then I'm sending you the hydrocarbon for. Um, Great joy to be oh, here. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm repeating that back to you. So and I don't know what's going to Right. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, so, and uh, ideal for podcasting. Right. 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 Absolutely. Perfect. <laughs> uh, and, and making his very first appearance on our bridge is actor, host, and podcaster, as well as my very good friend, Moises Trulian. How you doing, Moises? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, and, uh, ready to rock and roll. Uh, right I'm glad, glad to be making my first appearance. And, uh, and if you don't see me for a while, mirror universe, me is, uh, is, is probably going to show up in an episode or two. There you go. All right. Yeah. There you go. With a, with a shitty goatee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, welcome. And, uh, you know, while, while you're here, you, you got to do some hazing. So All the right. hazing All is right. right. The hazing ritual is bring uh, me in. You've got to tell us about yourself. Uh, tell us about uh, some things that you're doing and your journey with the Star Trek franchise, along with your favorite show and movie. Uh, I, I guess you'd say I'm, I'm a, I'm a multi hyphenate as I was introduced. I host, I produce uh, podcasts have for many years now. Uh, before that uh, I was a theater actor. I've done a little bit of, screen work that nobody would have ever seen because it's all industrial, like training video type stuff or, um, you know, for like a, a shipping company based out of grand Bahama as a tax shelter that was shown at some sort of a retreat thing that everybody was too drunk to watch right. whatever, uh, terrible thing we watched Uh voiceover performer I actually have lines that I need to record tonight for a friend. Um, uh, for a while I was out of the performing game. I'm, I'm back in the performing game. If anything, the pandemic brought me back into performing when all of the live event based stuff and, uh, a lot of podcast, uh, stuff that I was doing kind of dried up because everything got a little crazy. I suddenly found myself, uh, thrust back into the world of, of, uh, of immersive theater, uh, and, uh, and am am kind of, uh, back in that game, alongside various things that have kind of woken back up. Uh, I travel with a bunch of comic conventions and host Q and A's. Um, and so I've, I have crossed paths with our dear captain Lorca and, uh, various other, uh, Trek luminaries from various different generations, uh, and generations after generations of things. Um, 
I, uh, I'm a regular panelist on the incomparable, which I, I roped Cicero into at one point and, yeah. you know, can't get rid of this guy as anybody <laughs> who listens to this show probably knows. Um, I co-founded agents of smooch an offshoot of the incomparable, uh, that focuses specifically on romance genre stuff, sometimes crossing over with the science fiction, the fantastic, uh, the main show mostly handles, but, uh, but taking a look at, at romance as a genre in, in media, mostly movies and TV, uh, but looking at things from angles that we had not seen covered in, uh, in a bunch of other places and, uh, members of the incomparable are treated to us occasionally getting drunk and recording commentary tracks for <laughs> everything from the twilight series of movies to 50 shades of gray spoiler alert. We didn't do the last two movies because the first one was bad enough. Um, and, uh, just generally having a good old time. Uh, I've got a few, things of my own that I'm, I'm in the process of spinning back up that have been dormant for a while that I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pre-announce, but I've got, I've got some creative stuff of my own. That's, right. it's, uh, coming thrillingly back to life, uh, relatively soon. Uh, but most of what I do during the day is, uh, sell ads for podcasts, um, for, a, 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 a small list of clients that I've got. Um, and, uh, and that is, uh, that's treating me pretty well, but what I prefer to do is watch Star Trek. Really? Yeah. If I'm honest. Um, Okay. So I, I would see reruns of the original series as a kid. I grew up in the, in the, in the eighties and the nineties. TOS was on um, TNG started when I was very young. um, And I, I saw them in tandem on what I, I guess I would now consider syndication Sundays on UPN, the Paramount station, the, whatever it was, right. Channel time. 21 in Dallas. That yeah. was, that was what, it, wherever that's where Star Trek was. Um, love TNG TNG. I think even people who don't cite it as their favorite series, who especially love that whole nineties era of, uh, post TOS Trek. Um, it's deeply influential. It, it calibrated, what came after it, whether you were, uh, you know, you identify more as a DS nine or Voyager fan for a, for a long while, I considered TNG my Trek because it was, it was Trek. It was new Trek. I watched the finale, you know, when it aired, I watched it week to week to week from about season three on. Um, but I mean, these many years later, in, in the full estimation of the franchise, uh, I've said it before and I'm sticking with it. I I'm, I'm pretty solid that DS nine is my favorite series. Um, and, and for me, it's that there is enough of what I love about TNG, but there are the ways that the showrunners of DS nine push Trek forward with that show in ways that, you look back at DS nine, unfortunately in standard definition still to this day. Um, and, and you see a lot of the kinds of serialized elements in those later seasons that are what modern TV is. Um, and I, here's a, here's a tag into what I'm sure we'll discuss. Um, it's something that discovery ran with being heavily serialized from the, from go and juggling 13 to 15 episodes, I think has had kind of a mixed bag overall. I love the show, love the show. Don't get me wrong. Uh, warts and all, but one of the things that I think discovery has leaned into that hasn't always done it the best of favors is go, all right, we're going to have this one overarching story of the entire season. 
and we've got a point A and a point B, a point B to back into, and we are going to follow these waypoints along. And in this episode, we, we, we further push along the overarching story. And often that happens at the expense of getting on with the business of just letting the season of, of TV be compelling. Um, but they have always managed to finish strong. So I'm still, I'm still, I'm still with discovery that like they can lose me mid season multiple times and they keep, they keep pulling me back in, <laughs> you know, just when I'm about to slip just out of the air. Right? <laughs> they transport me back in. So, and so DS nine is your favorite series. Yep. Uh, oh, what is your movie? What is your favorite movie? Favorite movie. Uh, I've gone back and forth on this. Um, one of the, th- so I love star Trek four mm-hmm. so much because it takes, it takes these <laughs> beloved characters outside of a lot of their usual trappings, yeah. very much outside their comfort zones. They go to Alameda. They go to Alameda. I- Right. I mean, it can't get any more uncomfortable, uncomfortable, exotic, exotic Alameda. Um, you know, I I wish we had gotten more with our supporting cast and, and now we're doing time travel on Picard. So I guess, I guess I'm getting, I'm getting my longer Star Trek four just on a different show. Um, but I, I think, uh, as much as I love first contact, I've recently come back around and, and I think Star Trek six is it. Really? Um, wow. We have the, country. the, the conspiracy theory. We have the, the cold war themes that, that are so much of the bones of star Trek. Um, and that original series cast in many cases doing some of their very best work. Mm-hmm. Um, wrath of Khan. I love wrath of Khan. Um, but all told, I think TOS went out the strongest of, of the series that, you know, ended with enterprise, um, and, uh, and star Trek's, I mean, you know, only two of the shows actually got movies, so it's not fair to DS nine or Voyager, but star Trek six is, um, you know, outside of all good things being one of the best, uh, series enders in TV history. Um, I think star Trek six, as much as I think that cast maybe didn't feel this way at the time. Um, I feel like it is about as good of a cap on that particular era that, uh, that we could have gotten. Yeah. Second star to the right and straight on to morning. There There you go. go. There you go. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for that, Moises. That was, that was great. Like we could end the show right now. Um, but we still have to talk about, uh, discovery season two. Or season two, Discovery season four. I mean, in a way, we are right, right, right. Discovery yeah, season two, two, two. right, kind of. Um, but before we before we get into that, and before we get into some news, I want to take the opportunity to thank our guest from last week, uh, or from last episode, Greg Tito. Um, please be sure to check out Reengage and the Dragon Talk podcast uh, wherever you catch your podcasts. Um, Greg was great. I can't wait to get him back on. Um, and, uh, if Greg, if, if you're listening, we miss you. All right. So we're here today to talk about the last two episodes of Star Trek Discovery and the totality of season four. We will not be talking about Star Trek Picard tonight, but instead we'll be talking about the upcoming episodes of Picard in our next episode. Um, and before we get into our main focus today, let's get into a little news. 
the unthinkable has happened. James Kirk has been recast. Actor Paul Wesley, most notably from The Vampire Diaries, has been cast as the iconic character for season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Paul is relatively unknown to me, but a quick IMDb search helped me to discover that he played Lucas Lucas Luthor, Lex's younger brother in an episode of Smallville, which I distinctly remember. Um, There hasn't been much more information given about uh, what Kirk's role on Strange New Worlds will be, but one guess is that he will appear as the captain of the USS Farragut, uh, his the ship that he was on before he took over the center chair uh, of the Enterprise of the flagship of the of the uh, Federation and the Star of Starfleet. Uh, we're gonna start our own speculation early this episode. So my question to you guys is, what will Captain Kirk's involvement in Strange New Worlds be? Um, there are no wrong answers. Ty, I'll start with you. Yeah, it's so fun. Been so fun to look forward to this show and and try and guess. Like, right? Are they going to really follow through? Is it really going to be episodic? And and to see Kirk recast is really interesting. You know, I don't have the same connection to the original series that uh, a lot of folks do. Just being honest. Uh, and like, I just you know, I just get the sense that what's happening here is like let's see how much people like him. And if they like him a lot, maybe he'll start showing up a lot and maybe even we'll start talking about a limited series or something with him. But you know, uh, if he's not uh, getting accolades like that and he's, you know, not getting that hot of a reception, then maybe he'd just show up from, from time to time. I mean, I really have no idea, but I'm, I'm, I'm just totally wait and see on that show. Um, but it's definitely interesting to see how they, like, they're being pretty bold as far as casting a lot of those original, like that original crew again. Yeah. Right. And, and recasting them with, uh, present day folks. So it'll be, it'll just be in- interesting to see what direction they end up taking that show and, and whether it's truly as episodic as they are sort of promising and, and <laughs> saying that it will be. Yeah. Um, and, and actually you're making a really great point. Cause I mean, that's kind of how. Uh, Strange New Worlds uh, was born was the fact that Anson Mount and and uh, right exactly and, and you know and, and, uh, and Ethan, the, Peck, Ethan, right? Ethan Peck and and Rebecca Remain all of these characters mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. were you know they were just so engaging and charismatic as as these characters and 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 the fans just unmasked even the people that that really weren't you know just you know were were talking about how Discovery wasn't their trek. Still, we're talking about how much they love Christopher Pike um, in in that season, and uh, so so yeah. I mean, there there could be and, something there. And I might as well say, I mean, between what, what I've already seen of that, like with Spock and everything, yeah. um, and then also just the references that I that have sort of gone over my head, but I've been aware of them going over my head in lower decks. They've done a good right. job of making me pretty, uh, you know, pretty actually interested in getting into the original series uh, and giving it a run through, you know, which is something I'd never really seriously considered too much before, (laughs) before these past couple of years of like Trek bounty, you know? Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So Moises, what, uh, put your kind of conspiratorial (sighs) hat on and, you know, what, what do we got for? Well, well, all right. I got, I got, I got some thoughts. I got some thoughts about this whole show. Now I, I am very eager to see this show. Uh, the moment they said that they had cast Anson Mount as, as Chris Pike, I was like, 
all right, good, good. I'm, I'm set. Give me, give me the show. Give me the Chris Pike show. And then getting to see Ethan Peck, um, you know, doing, doing his Spock. I was like, all right, I'm double sold. And then Rebecca Romaine as number one, I was like, they built the set, uh, to, to quote, to quote my friend, Jason Snell, they built the set. Yeah. They, they built, built the, the set. set. They need to give us this early years of the enterprise show. And please, can it maybe be a little bit different than discovery? Can it be a little bit more episodic mission of the week kind of thing? Go a little lighter on the serialization. Um, and I'm not entirely convinced that it is going to be so standalone of episodes all the way through. They, they, you know, they announced a descendant of Khan and I'm like, Akiva Goldsman, calm down. Right. Like, just calm down, please. Just, <laughs> just leave a few things alone. Right. <laughs> leave, like, I mean, just because the third rail's there doesn't mean you have to grab it. Um, I I think the casting of of James Kirk is great. In theory, they just have to pull it off. There's right. so much of Kirk's early time in Starfleet that has not been officially set in stone in the canon of star Trek. Um, and, and the way that they are treating things like all the billions of different novels that have come out and everything, none of that stuff counts. It's right. the shows, it's the movies, it's the animated series. <laughs> yes. The animated series with the original crew that is also on Paramount plus and nobody's watching for very good reasons, right. but that's where, you know, that's where the cat doctor from lower decks came from. Oh, yeah. I'm still uh, one commercial break into episode one of the animated series, which is it's where bad. Paramount, the Paramount Plus app has decided that I am no longer able to yeah. progress through the episode. So. <laughs> no, I, I think, I think, I think, honestly, maybe you should just let the app make the decision for you, uh, and just and just enjoy the references on Lower Decks. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have a great deal of confidence in those performers. And overall, Alex Kurtzman's vision of what he wants to do with Trek, it's the reason that I, I am still convinced that we're going to double back on Calypso on Discovery. Um, I, don't, I don't think they just did that as a lark and they're not going to come back to it or use it for something. Um, the, the amount of grand planning that is out there, as much as I am not a fan of Akiva Goldsman as a writer, um, I want to think that with the proper reign on him, uh, he, he knows how to get out into the pasture and ride. So I, I am hoping that strange new worlds doesn't suddenly become Jim Kirk show, but having Jim Kirk be a featured character on the show. Um, you know, if, if, if that is something that doesn't happen until season two, we don't see him at all in season one. Cool. Um, I, I really want Pike to have the opportunity for this show to be Pike's show and not be overshadowed uh, by Kirk. Uh, and Paul Wesley has an enormous following from Vampire Diaries. Okay. Like that show, that show has very dedicated fans that might very well introduce yet more new people into Trek fandom, which I think is a great thing. Um, and if this means that we are, are eventually, you know, we segue away from strange new worlds and we get a separate Jim Kirk show. Great. Good. Fantastic. You know, the more, the merrier. Apparently the section 31 show is still happening. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I am totally good with having a new episode of some Star Trek show on the air every week of the year. I think that's great. 
Um, and like my long lead conspiracy theory is that we are headed towards some sort of a crossover event that crosses over everything. Strange new worlds, Picard discovery section 31, whatever else they got in the pipeline prodigy prodigy, Prodigy, maybe ish. Uh, but I I think lower decks, lower decks is the one that's more certain because I want to see all those people in live action. Right. Like I want to, I want to see, I want to see, uh, I want to see Mr. Boy, Mr. Quaid with his purple hair. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I want to, uh, yeah, I want, I want to see them all, uh, show up, uh, you know, maybe they're promptly destroyed, but who knows? Uh, but, but yeah, I, for, for me, the thing that makes me most excited about Kirk is that I feel like it, it furthers my conspiracy that they're going to cross everything over into some big, huge comic book style event. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I wonder what they're going to do with Kirk. Um, the fact that at least in IMDb right now, he is listed as being in the first episode of season two. Um, I, I don't know if that's a fake out. I don't know that they've even written the scripts yet for season two. We haven't even started oh, they're shooting it. Yeah. They're shooting uh, it right oh, now. Oh, okay. All right. So, the, yeah. That's still I mean, mean. Uh, so right. in theory, they might right. be shooting it right now. Right. Um, yeah. So, but the thing, the thing that I wonder is how do you, how do you make Jim Kirk a part of the series uh, while keeping it Christopher Pike's show? Uh, well, and, and, and with, without, without him being like, if he's like a cameo, you know, all oh, the Farragut shows up and we, and we see him and maybe we do a mission or two with him and then he goes on his merry way. Um, that's one, one issue, you know, that's one thing well, or, or maybe he's he, around maybe for he, an arc. He, he serves on the enterprise as a Lieutenant and gets the Farragut as a command. Maybe, maybe. Uh, even though like the, the one sticking point of Canon is like, is, is people going, Oh, well in this one episode, he said he, he met Pike at the handoff and I'm like, well, that's one line. And I know, right. look, track has done a lot of things with one line. Right. But I don't know. I don't know. Right. I'm I'm good with them fudging things a bit. Sure. Absolutely. As am I. Ty, what were you, you going to say? Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It'll just be, it'll just be interesting. Like he can't, he can't be, he can't show up as just like a cameo type of thing because it's right. not William Shatner. And so there would right. be too much like having to explain who this is. Like remember, is McCoy, right? Who shows up in yeah. that episode of next generation. I'm sure there yes. are other examples Yeah, and like you recognize him. And so he doesn't really need to do much. It's just the fact that he's there, right. uh, but it's not going to be like deep fake or like prosthetic William Shatner. Right, right, right. You're going to have right. to introduce this guy as, you know, as the character, Jim right. Kirk. And yeah. so again, that just goes back to this whole, there's no way this can end up just being purely episodic. Like he, he's just going to dip in one episode every, right. you know, every once right. in a while. I mean, that'd be cool, but I, I doubt it. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, um, there are always possibilities. Uh, so in other strange new worlds news, uh, that's a lot to say, uh, a, there is a photo of someone in what appears to be Klingon makeup and that has leaked to the internet, uh, via a YouTube video and some other, some other stuff that was around. Um, but this character may or may not have been in full makeup, but he did look much more pale than we're accustomed to seeing our Klingons in, in 
all of the different permutations throughout the franchise. Um, so, like, few things in, in Star Trek's history have gotten as many facelifts as Starfleet uniforms. But if there is one thing that has that has come close, it'd be the look of the Klingons. Uh, so given given the wacky history of their look, especially during this period of time in, in the canon, how do you expect the Klingons to look in Strange New Worlds? And uh, are you even expecting a difference? And would you welcome it? Moises, I'll, I'll start with you. I, I would l- I would love for them to go with another iteration of what we got early on a discovery. Now, what I liked about Discovery's wild new take on the Klingons is it made the Klingons feel more alien. Absolutely. And feel like a much more fleshed out combination of societies instead of the kind of um you know half orcs. Yeah. Right? Yeah, sure. You know, half orcs that were Russians or they right. were the Chinese or they were, right. you know, they were whatever exotic ethnic they needed yeah. to be um allegorizing or, or whatever it is. Um I I I would be totally good with Strange New Worlds playing with the unnamed thing that you know Worf mentions, which is like a funny line. Right in, right in deep space nine where he's like, we, we don't speak of it. The yeah. the fact that the Klingons look like humans with big eyebrows right. instead of, you know, what he looks like. Um, I, I think, I think it's totally cool to go ahead and define that. Like maybe, maybe some sort of a bioweapon permanently changed Klingon physiology. Right. And I think that's totally cool. Uh, Cause the, 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 the hangup I have with, some of the way that the Klingon design went was that it was like, you know what? We need to make this look like a painted, like heavy metal album cover. Right. And, (laughs) and just put so many spikes on this. Uh, Yes. Like we're going to run out of spikes. We're going to put spikes on this. Um, So I'm, I'm, I'm I'm totally good with, I'm totally good with them doing some sort of an iteration that gets us somewhere between discovery and TNG era. I for, I forgot to ask you this question, Moises, but have you have you watched Enterprise yet? I have. Oh, okay. So so in Enterprise, they do. Oh, start that's to, right. There there is an explanation as to uh, what there's like a, there's like a, a genetics program that they're trying to do, and then then they wind up having this virus, right? And some and you know some Klingons have become human. I know that Ty Ty. Um, has already previously stated that he hasn't really watched TOS and, and what we, we already know is that Ty hasn't had a chance to get to DS nine yet. Um, so he, so he, uh, I don't know, Ty, if you've seen the original Klingons, the TOS style Klingons before. Well, I saw him in the handy dandy video that you linked. Oh, okay, so right I, did, I did my research right for the, oh, okay. for the recording. Right okay. Yeah. Oh, all right, all right. Good job, good job. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. So the so the um, the great thing is that in in DS Nine, Worf, and and one thing that I love about Star Trek is that it it is it is unashamed to go to two places, the mirror universe mm-hmm. and the past. Mm-hmm. Right, like <laughs> just uh, when we when we need to do something, but uh, you know they they had this episode of DS Nine where the DS Nine crew goes into the past and winds up on the Enterprise in an episode of TOS that they kind of splice yeah. together. Yeah, they, um, they, they and, Forrest Gump effect. Yes, uh, 
inserted DS9 cast members into the Trouble with Tribbles. Yes. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's an awesome episode and, and we get a, a wonderful line from, from all of the crew when, when, when they get to discover Klingons on the ship and the Klingons look like humans with bushy eyebrows and, and they turn to Worf and he says, we don't talk about it, uh, with outsiders. So, <laughs> um, and, and every, you know, and everyone laughs, um, what is your feeling about having Klingons and, and, and them being around and, and how they're, they're going to look. Yeah. I might be like a bad, I don't know. I might be a bad fan, but I I just don't like, I don't know. The Klingons look different in discovery. Like it's whatever. I don't, Right. it doesn't really take up too much of my um, attention, I guess. You're Um, you're a great fan. Actually. I do totally agree. (laughs) Moises said earlier, like, like TNG, like kind of calibrated a lot of what came after it. And that really seems true to me, right? Like the, 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 Klingons that I picture like look like Worf. That's the Klingons right. that I've seen in, in Prodigy and Lower Decks right. as well. Um, I did think it was interesting, you know, in, in the not mirror universe, but the past in Picard, we saw the vanquished skull of like, I, I feel like the Klingon skull structure um, right. like, right. And what, what is like skin and cartilage and what's bone there has kind of been, like they put it out there, right? And right. The, and the 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 photo that you're referring to about the the person in makeup from Strange New Worlds, or that we're thinking might be a Klingon for Strange New Worlds. I mean, look, I don't want to get into like you know Star Trek critical species theory here, but it's just I mean he's just a white Klingon, right? Like right, he looks yeah. like like he doesn't look like this like his structure isn't like a Discovery Klingon. It's no. like. It's like it's, a TNG Klingon, right? Absolutely, or a Picard Klingon, or, or right, whatever, right. It, it, or like a, like a, a general, general yeah. Chang from Star Trek Six Klingon. There you who go. Pretty right. much looks like a human with a couple of things on his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, <clears throat> I mean, it's always been I, like you pointed out, right? Like the Klingons in in the episodes of TNG that I've seen have often been used as this proxy for just like the other, right? Especially right. like the militaristic other. Um, and it's always been like slightly uncomfortable that even though there is some racial diversity among the Starfleet crews that we have seen, the the folks that are all, often coded as other and as militaristic are also often like very easy to like they have darker skin than everybody else. Right. Yes, For the most right. part. And they're very <laughs> right. easy to also code as like the race of like black guys, like violent right. black guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, like that's just how I it read it when I saw that picture is just like, okay, the studio is just trying to get away from that image, right. Of Klingons and just make it like, yeah, there's some, there's some Klingons with different skin tones, like whatever, right. like people don't really seem to, people genuinely don't seem to care much about skin tones, you know, in this universe, <laughs> like <clears throat> in the future that we've seen for the most part. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm forgetting something, no, uh, no, no. but uh, yeah, I thought it was like kind of, it, it 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 gave me very Picard vibes, right? Like the picture of that person in the Klingon, like not only his makeup, but the outfit that he has on um, as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know how he's going to get into Stovacor without the spikes, but, you know, that's his problem. Uh, <laughs> right. It looks pretty cool, honestly. So. Yeah. He's, maybe he's been blessed by Kalis already, so who, yeah. who knows? Yeah. I, I mean, th- there are plenty of people who are like, I've seen enough new Trek Klingons. Don't ever show me new Trek Klingons again. Show me yeah. literally anything else. No, man, show me Klingons. It's Star Trek. For me. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. 
Yeah, and I, I, I think I think that is one part of it is is like as we get better technology, as we get uh, better makeup and and prosthetics, and and we can do more, um, we can modify the looks of of creatures to make them look more alien, right? Yeah. Um, look, so- have you gone back and watched the Fellowship of the Ring and looked at Gollum in that movie? He's <laughs> right. like anything like Gollum from the second and third movies, <laughs> but like, eh, right? Whatever. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we've we've talked about Strange New Worlds, a show that we have not seen uh, a season of, but now it's time for us to talk about season four of Discovery, a season that we have seen everything of. A reminder for our listeners that our episode discussions on Discovery Debrief are meant to be an accompaniment to your episodic viewing and not as a replacement to watching. Please be sure to have watched our subject show prior to listening to ensure that you get the most out of our discussion. Now that the disclaimers are out of the way, I can say finally that Species 10C have been revealed. Prior to me watching this episode, uh, watching this episode also named for the species, Ty uh, sent a a spoiler warning to me, and that spoiler warning was that this episode was essentially the movie Arrival reworked for Disco. And I I would have to say that that description was, uh, for me, was spot on, (laughs) and I didn't take it as, nor do I think it was intended to be, an insult to either. Um, what were your feelings on this on meeting this humongous intergalactic species, Moises? Um, so, I, I mean, I, I alluded earlier, a, a lot of my feeling about the season overall is that a bunch of the stuff in the middle, kind of like season three, was moving a bunch of furniture around. But I'm glad they right. got all the furniture out of the way so that they could take us into the cargo bay and meet this big, huge, uh, new alien creature. I mean, the go, going to that planet... And doing that kind of away team stuff. That was the Star Trek-y kind of stuff that I've been wanting more of on Discovery. Like this, this chunk of the back piece of the season, that's that's this feels the most Star Trek-y of the stuff that I've been wanting them to get to. Like it's great that they keep cutting away and having meetings when like there's imminent doom descending <laughs> on them. That's great and everything, but but I want more of this. Um, this kind of meeting new species that we have not seen using deductive reasoning to figure out how to communicate. This is the Star Trek is Star Trekness that I've been, that I've been wanting. And that when this show does it, it, it is, it, it is, it is on par with the best of Trek for me. that's come before it. Um, so yeah, I color me considerably thrilled that, that we finally got to this. I just wish it hadn't, ha- hadn't, there had been so little of this kind of thing to get us to this point. Right. Yeah. Well said. Uh, Ty, what were, what were your thoughts on uh, meeting species 10 C finally? Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I I feel like I have to split your question up into two different parts almost, right? Sure. The, the uh, arrival, let's figure out how to communicate and figure out what the, you know, kind of the grammar that they're using and using this string of lights to decode the, you know, um, 
the uh, molecules and stuff that are sent. All that was so cool and so interesting. I loved, uh, you know, when Species 10C created the little starship uh, replica orb thing to try yeah. and like sort of, uh, and, and, you know, it didn't really go well thanks to Tarka and Book. But um, <clears throat> that stuff was really, really cool for me. Um, the the final episode where you finally visually see them uh, revealed and start having um, pretty deep philosophical and like geopolitical discussions with them was like, uh, I didn't enjoy it nearly as much as you guys uh, seem to. And I'm really, uh, you know, so I'm interested to dig into it a little bit more mm-hmm. um, with you both. Um, but to me, the, the communication process and the learning to, uh, you know, to bridge that gap uh, was really interesting. But what we chose to talk about once we figured out how to get the translator working was... Uh, pretty disappointing to me um they just i don't know they just turned out to be really cool um which was nice uh which was cool um and i do agree yeah it, it was cool to see finally uh like moises said some of the like you know we we finally it felt like we got to what you know obviously what we've been building up to this whole time right. um but a lot of what we've been like really really beating around the bush to get toward um and and just one thing i want to say that to me um you know, I, I totally agree to me that, that Trek is like, I was disappointed by the, the eventual content of the conversation in the away mission, but right. Like having these encounters and discussing the best way to go about having these encounters is awesome for me. Um, but there was another moment that for me really defines what this new era of Star Trek seems to be like, seems to revolve around. It seems to have at mm-hmm. its core. And that's this moment where, uh, Burnham takes Saru aside just before they're about to initiate like their first conversation with species 10 C. And she just like tells Saru like, Hey, I'm struggling. Like I'm having a hard time. And like, I'm sort of like experiencing some, some doubt and uncertainty. And, um, you know, I think I've used the term like radical empathy to talk about Michael Burnham before. And it was cool mm-hmm. to see her apply that to herself and do this form of self-care. And just to see that model of like, you know, um, regardless of how contrived the situations that she finds herself in seem to be, um, Michael's an amazing captain, right? And an amazing right. leader of her crew um, and really uh, gets the best that, right? You can imagine like if if I worked for Michael Burnham, I'd be like, you know, demanding an incredible amount of myself. Um, And so to just see that model that it is worth it and it's important to stop and take time to speak with a trusted friend and let them know that you could use a little bit of support um, was amazing for me and is like really just emblematic of, yeah, that kind of empathy that you see throughout a lot of the new Trek. Um, And to me, that's like kind of it's, uh, you know, taking away the cool sci-fi like ships and encounters and alien species stuff, like the emotional core for me um, is there. And and so uh, as much as I was sort of disappointed by some elements, even at the end of this season in a way that you guys weren't, um, it definitely had its its moments that are going to keep me uh, coming back for more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Like for me, I, I really, I, I love like the moments of personal connection and the emotional intelligence of this show fantastic um the the proportion for me that that i think it's it's not that like 
there was no exploration. There was none of the, you know, it, it wasn't so much that as just, you know, the proportion was just a little off. So like we went down to their planet, but we didn't go and look at the Dyson enclosure around yeah. that star. Like, right. We now why, why, I mean, why do that? Why do that when we can, uh, we can do another scene about how our sentient AI computer, uh, has glaring blind spots. Yeah, right. <laughs> though, it, though, though when we need it to be, oh man, Zora is all powerful and all seeing and can do anything. Right. Um, th- just li- little things like that, that I go, you guys thought out some of the most important stuff. And then there are a few things that you got to this point of the season. You went, Oh yeah, we need to make our computer really stupid. And we also need to make book really gullible all of a sudden. Right. And well, okay, this is where we are. Uh, <laughs> it'll be fine. No, I, but I totally agree with you. And I don't think it's a balance between those yeah. two. I don't, I don't think it's a zero sum like trade off between those two things. And when I think about the next generation, it has both of those working together in a way that's really beautiful. Right. And uh, you have like the book slash Tarka equivalent of like Worf being like, let's hit him with a full spread of phasers. Right. And then, <laughs> but, and then you have, you know, the Burnham like kind of equivalent in Picard. That's like, no, let's use diplomacy. Right. And like, no matter what it takes, even if we have to make sacrifices and what you saw in TNG is that the crew gained something from those experiences. Right. And they were better off for having engaged in the diplomacy and for having made a lot of times those sacrifices. And sometimes they were pretty major sacrifices. Um, and in this case, it was just like, eh, let's do diplomacy because it'll turn out to work super well. And the conflict didn't even need to happen in the first place. I don't know. It's just a little <laughs> unsatisfying for me. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I I really uh, I, I I had some problems with 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 the creatures being uh, super huge, which was a thing that that I had predicted in in our previous episode. Yeah, credit we were to you. About. I was a little skeptical <laughs> that the whole gimmick right. was just going to be, oh, they're really, really big. But then, right? Yeah, I, I yeah. felt like it was going to be one or the other. Either they were going to be huge, or they were going to be microorganisms that you couldn't that, see. Right, and, and, right. And they'd be like talking to a cloud. Yeah. So, uh, and, and in yeah. a way, both happened. Right. right. They're both huge, happened. and they were talking to a cloud. Yeah. So. um yeah, I mean, so that was so that part of it was just kind of like, oh yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of smelled this one coming, but but I still dug what was going on because of something that you had already alluded to, Ty. Right? We we also get to see something that we rarely get to see in Star Trek, right? Which is uh, genuine confusion with how to communicate with the species. Uh, and and the last time I can recall communication being this confounding was was Picard communicating with the Temerians, right? Like uh, you know, with Shaka when the walls fell. Um, so uh, was was this an aspect that that intrigued you, like Ty, as you as you've already said, or did you feel like this was a writer's way of prolonging the drama while the other events played out, particularly those on on book ship? Uh, uh, Ty, yeah. Objection, uh, Your you. Honor. That's a leading question right there. Right. I mean, it's it, it so clearly right. It, it really suffered from some really stretched out, you know, that the timeline uh, pacing difference between the ship that's like hurtling at warp speed, or you know, just under warp speed uh, towards imminent demise, with like the people having these calm conversational meetings uh, somewhere else. Um, but no, I loved that stuff. I lo- I loved them learning to communicate, but I did feel like it was cut short. And I hate to just like pile on to the episode. Uh, there were definitely moments that I enjoyed, but I mean, since this is what we're 
we're talking about. I felt like the penultimate episode of the season sort of concluded with this. They were in this really cool place, right? They were sort of like they, they had sort of figured out this bridge language and sort of using math and mathematical sort of equations and symbols to sort of develop just like sort of a basis of understanding, right? And to sort of build like the building blocks of communication. And then the next episode, the final episode of the season, the finale episode starts up and they're like, I I mean, the president even says, Oh no, we can't send them that. Like it's, it would be too complicated to indicate, you know, that we have individuals or something like that. Let's instead send them like a whole philosophical treatise about like the nature of cooperation and like, (laughs) boy, it sure is a good thing. They really did turn out to understand the nature of individuality, like super duper well, because (laughs) Michael Burnham certainly made it really, really confusing by being like, we're all individuals, but also together together. we're all (laughs) one. And it was like, wait, so you could convey that, but you can't convey like, hey, they're not with us, right? Like, Booker and Turk aren't with us. So, so I really liked. I, for me, there was just such a dramatic shift. I know this isn't what happened, but it felt like um, somebody had written episode twelve, somebody else had written episode thirteen, and before they each wrote their episodes, they said, "Okay, here's where we're going to meet." Right? Like, the bridge between these two episodes is going to be like we've sort of figured out how to communicate using this like system of lights sort of. And so like, write your script around that. And like the person right. who wrote episode 13 was like, great, we can have these whole big conversations and stuff like that. And, and then like, right. There was like this mismatch yeah. for me and it was yeah. like incredibly distracting for it was me. JJ Abrams time and Ryan Johnson that all I was, over again. yeah, because again, they're trying to convey these complicated topics about individuality and about collectives and about sacrifice. And, uh, and it just, it seemed to go really, really smoothly. Like they, <laughs> they conveyed all those ideas uh, very well, apparently, and were very well received. And um, I sure hope these guys join uh, the Federation because <laughs> it doesn't seem like the burn set them back at all. Uh, so I look forward to, I don't know, seeing well, how it, the it, it didn't set them this. back uh, because they were outside of our galaxy. The burn right. only affected our galaxy. Right. And, and, you know, did they have that lithium? Yeah, I guess we don't know. I, I mean, they, they can, they can blink this five light year wide thing in and out of existence within our galaxy right. though. Right. Right. So, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It just, well, I, I think like you, you unintentionally just, just, just broached a, a subject that I, I have been wondering about, which is, okay, so this genie's out of the bottle. They're out there. Right. What is the next step with them? Like right. are, are these all powerful blob gods going to become a part of the mix? Are they going to like 2001 style be like, y'all stay over there. Right. And we'll stay over here. And or will they, yeah. Will they be like voyage, uh, like star Trek four? Are they going to yeah. be the, the, you know, the whale aliens that just kind of go off and do their own thing. It seems that like they have the potential to be almost a Q like type of relationship with us. Right. Like they didn't understand that we are like, quote unquote, higher life forms or whatever. Right. Right. And that's the same way that we hear Q talk about us all the time. Like they have the potential to blink into our existence, obliterate entire planets. Like five light years is that's that's big. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and and so to they have the potential to eliminate entire like civilizations and species in the 
the blink of an eye. It's just like a really big and terrifying can of worms. And you just got Booker up there being like, no, hey, we're not done talking. You guys also need to clean up your mess. And everyone's just like, I guess we should let him go. <laughs> let the Greenpeace guy talk. And it's good. And it, and it was good that he did because now they're cleaning it all up. It's great. Yeah. I think we should, we should like see what else we can like, hey, do you guys want to give us all a bunch of dilithium and money too? Like, right. <laughs> so money. Yeah, more, yeah right. <laughs> not that we need money, but it wouldn't be bad. Right. It's like a collector's <laughs> item. Yeah. Moises, do you have uh, anything to add in, in terms of uh, no. communication? And uh, I, Well, I, I think, you know, as, uh, as somebody who studied anthropology in college, uh, mm-hmm. I, I love it when Star Trek goes to the anthropology well. One of the things I love the most about Captain Picard was he was an anthropologist who was mm-hmm. now captain of the flagship of the Federation. Um, the the uh, the humanism uh, that that uh, that anthropology gives us as a discipline um, as, uh, as something to use as a lens to look at the way that we comport ourselves with non-human beings and, you know, the, the ecology around us on the planet is something that, you know, we've got a xenoanthropologist captain of this ship now. Right. And, um, not only is that a convenient excuse for why the captain and the first officer have to go on every away <laughs> mission, <laughs> but it, it's something that ties into the beating heart of what I love most about post TOS Trek. And that's not a slight against TOS. And I know there are right. plenty of people who are like, TOS is the only Trek and everything else sucks. Uh, well, TNG era is not that bad, but new truck is terrible and I hate it and everyone wants it. Okay, good. Go take your toys. Go home. Your toys suck anyway. Um, right. I, you know, for me, this kind of vibe is so much of what I love about Star Trek. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I just, I just want more of this. I want more of looking at, looking at um, sensible, empathetic ways to diffuse conflict um, to, to use a, a video game, uh, uh, metaphor. Um, it's, uh, it's the, oh, uh, uh, the game from the Delta rune guy, his original game. Why can't I think of it? Um, uh, um, I've, lo- I've, and that's the thing that he's much better known for. Uh, it, Fez? No, no, not Fez. It's, uh, um, I have a computer in front of me. Why am I not looking this up? Um, uh, 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 Undertale? Undertale. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. The Undertale sure. notion of, yeah. yeah, sure, you can kill all the monsters if you want, but what if you became friends with the monsters? What about that? Right. Are they monsters? Why do you call them monster? What what connotations do that does that have? Um, to me, you know, that that goes to the spirit of the, of the Federation. People talk about the prime directive all the time, non-interference and everything. Yeah, non-interference is important. But equally important is the reason that the Federation exists for everybody to be trying to have a rising tide lift all boats. Um, and that that's something that this closer to the season really, uh, really did a great job of, of, uh, of sending home. All right. Well, and, and, you know, uh, just, just as it seemed as, as progress was being made, uh, Tarker comes in. Uh, he's in sole control of Bookship and decides to finish his mission and tries to destroy the DMA by taking a conduit from here, from back there to the Alpha Quadrant um, and undermining the efforts of, of the Burnham, Saru, and President Trina, Tarina and 
uh, sowing distrust between the Federation and, and Species 10C. I, I may mention the last time we talked about Discovery that uh, maybe 10, 10C would look like uh, our galactic inhabitants, uh, uh, look at our galactic inhabitants the same way we looked at ants. But it turns out that it was 10C who had more in common with ants as they operate as a mental and emotional collective. Um, it was here for the first time that I saw the real world allegorical connection that had been alluded to the entire season. Were you able to see those connections before this? And am I just slow in the uptake or did the writers become a, a little more heavy handed in their efforts to teach us this lesson? Uh, Ty, I'll, I'll start with you. No, I don't. I don't know. You tell me what you think the allegorical connection is. Well, I, uh, so I, I really thought that when we got to the end, there was a lot of talk about you know uh, individuals, like as you were saying, like the, the, we're we're all individuals, but to, together we're one. And I think that that was an allegory to uh, COVID and the vaccine and and you know what we need to be doing as a conscientious population of the earth for one another, right? And and there can be people that go rogue and decide not to do that, but we're we're still because we have empathy and because we have compassion, we're still compelled to do the things that we need to do in order to save everyone in, in mass. Uh, yeah, I, I just like something like that would have made a lot more sense to me if it turned out that Species 10C had a completely different value system, right? And was kind of unable to comprehend our idea of individuality. Or uh, they said, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and, you know, p- press pause on the DMA. Um, but, you know, you you obviously owe us Booker's life. And so you need to turn him over to us. Like that would be to me, a very classic Star Trek type of decision that a captain would have to grapple with and would raise all kinds of interesting questions. And again, like I just, I can't get past that. Once we figured out how to ask them clearly, all we had to do was ask them clearly. And, and to me, that's where the allegory breaks down down right like the Mm -hmm. divisions that i see affecting us today kind of it's 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 a little simplistic for me to just feel like oh if we just sort of asked each other nicely um they would go away and actually the people who it seems like might uh have a death wish for you and people who look like you based on their actions uh it turns out they just didn't you know they didn't actually I, i yeah i just don't quite get what the lesson was intended to be. And maybe I'm sort of uh, missing it or, you know, letting my feelings about that episode itself distract me. Um, but I, I didn't quite get it. All right. I, Moises? I, had, I had a bit of a different take on it where unlike previous track, and this goes back to some of the Klingon stuff right. where, um, whereas, you know, in, in older Trek, the 10 C would be more intended to be a placeholder for some sort of a world conflict that is the West versus not Mm -hmm. the West. And to me, this is Trek going more in the direction of when, when discovery first hit, I was like, you got mass effect in my star Trek and I kind of like it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Things are more alien. Things are harder. Sci-fi things are weirder. And that is something that, 
Trek has always been handicapped by budgetary limitations. Um, and, uh, you know, in some cases a bit of a lack of vision on the, on the part of, uh, studio executives, not the creatives behind the shows. It's like, Hey, here's some, here's some latex and lame, you know, <laughs> make an for it. <laughs> right. um, I, I think, I think the reason it, some, some stuff throughout discovery has felt weird is that this show is, is being allowed to do stuff the way that Trek has not gone boldly before. Um, and so I feel reflexively the same thing of, oh, okay. What is the, what is the lesson? What is the, the bottle episode lesson that we're getting out of this 10 C thing? And then it's telling a different story. And because of my biases, having been a Trek fan for 30 something years, um, I, it, I have to step back and let it do what it's doing on its own terms and not what I assume they're doing or the direction I think they're going mm-hmm. based on the patterns that I've been used to. Um, and that's, I mean, that, that, that's the sort of thing that maybe when I go back and rewatch season four more bingy rather than week to week, it'll play better for me. And, and I'll, 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 uh, I'll not feel the kind of itch where I'm like, Oh great. Another, huge threat in space that is spread across an entire season instead of a two-parter. Um, right. come on in my day, we did this in two episodes. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I think know, that's I a quote this- from me from our last, our last episode <laughs> right. about discovery. Right. Right. I, why, why in my day, this took two consecutive Sundays. And we right. <laughs> um, so I, I, yeah, I, I think, I think, um, where I was anticipating they would go with the 10 C didn't even match up where I wanted them to go with the 10 C, which mm-hmm. is very much what they ended up doing. Mm. Um, I mean the, the, uh, the, the one, the one thing that because we're in book and Tarka land, uh, the thing that I'll touch on is that, um, I think Tarka should have gone rogue on book and, and imprisoned him earlier. Um, you know, that would have caused other timing issues. But the, the thing that, that bugged me the most throughout this season, like it wasn't the overall arc of things and what they were doing with the 10 C it's that to do that, they suddenly made book into a chump. Yep. Um, right. Who was incredibly easily led. Like that's, that's the thing that once we're to this point, doesn't matter because, you know, Tarka's taken over and done what I feel like he should have done four episodes ago. Um, and, you know, and, uh, and, and given book something to struggle with other than, narrative convenience chumpiness um you know that like that's the big sci-fi leap of logic that i have a bigger problem with <laughs> than 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 where we went with the 10 c yeah uh ty i i would agree with you with respect to uh having you know just coming out and being able to have the conversation that to like actually parlay have a summit with 10 c you know while they halt the dma and like let the drama be whether or not the DMA is going to be turned back on as these talks resume. Um, but the problem has been and and was was then or was now and has been historically with this show is that they ran out of time to tell that version of the story. There was more story to tell than um, than there was. Uh, than there than there was time to tell it. And I don't know if it was if it's that is the fact that I've grown accustomed to this is just kind of the way uh uh disco sticks their landings, right? Um, 
but I, but I really I just kind of I fell in lockstep with these with these last two episodes where you know I stopped trying to fight with the fact that I wasn't getting the type of season that I really wanted to see from this crew and like okay fine this is the story that they're they're, they're telling now and I've got to get to the resolution of this story and then I was just like okay well fine this is how it is and and this is where we're going and you know once I once I made that switch in my in my brain things became a lot more enjoyable for me um, and, and, you know, unfortunately the, one of the, one of the great things about Star Trek is the Star Trek is a, is a thinking person's show. Um, and, and, you know, what I'm advocating for is turning, kind of turning off a portion of your brain to be able to enjoy the show. Um, and, you know, I understand the, the, <laughs> usually the Star and, Trek, man, it's like, turn right, your brain on, turn right, your brain right, on. Right. Yeah. I realize how, how kind of anachronistic that is, but it, but it is kind of where we, it's the state of where we are. And, and when we talk about how we felt about the season and, you know, later on in the show and, and where we want things to go uh, later on in this episode, I think, you know, I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit more. Um, but as, as you were already alluding to uh, uh, Moises, I think it's, it's time, you know, where we, we talk about the dread pirate booker, and, <laughs> um, uh, you know, so we're, we're given the off-screen death of Dr. Tarka and the presumption, uh, the presumption of these, of a similar fate for, for our fallen hero Booker. Um, I think the show and maybe an era of television has done a great job because I definitely fell for the book is dead fake out. I did too. I, I, did. I did too. 100%. Um, 100%. I was like. I I get I I was like I give them credit. Wow, right. they actually killed him. Bravo right. to you guys. I'll miss David Ajala, but right. oh well. Yo, right. I already had tears in my eyes earlier in the episode when it seemed like Detmer was gonna volunteer for yes. the suicide yes. mission. I was like, not my yes. Detmer. No, right? No, they can't no. keep killing these people <laughs> in the crew. Right, and uh, you know, and and that was that's something that I t- that we've talked about previously on on this show is that, or at least for me, my fear has been with this crew the more we know about them the more likely even they are it. to die right <laughs> you know and and uh yeah when when detmer when the the conversation started and detmer had that look in her eye i was like oh damn it oh, and then and then like the look she shared with it, oh, 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 oh yes yeah. yes yeah um, I was like, right. "Don't you guys dare!" Right. Have been leading right. up to that this whole season. <laughs> right. I hate you all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, here's here's the thing: is is this show? This show is able to string us along and make us think that they will, but right. we'll have the courage of the convictions to not kill them off to motivate other characters. Right. You know, in in the Whedon-esque way, or in in the way of of other less responsible showrunners. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to kill off their characters to make the journey of the other characters better. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but they're also not afraid to do that. Right. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, like there, there or, is precedent. Quajon, right. I miss right, all of right. y'all. <laughs> yes, I totally right. cared about all of you. Right. You know, our RIP Lorca. I mean, you know, yeah. Uh, I mean, Gabriel Lorca was a hell of a, hell of a character. 
I, I uh, still, I am still like planting a flag on. We don't know what happened to Prime Lorca. Uh, Prime Lorca. Okay. Where is Prime right, Lorca? Well, yeah, Chris. Chris, when you finally listen to this episode, here you go. You got another, another one in your Prime Lorca camp. Uh, so, <laughs> so that I mean, that's great. Like, but but yeah, I I was I was definitely I was definitely marking out like the fact that I thought that uh, book was dead, and then when he came back, it was you know really excited about it. Wasn't necessarily excited about the way that it happened. Um, but again, it, it, it goes, it goes to, to speak further to the, the seeming omnipotence of, of the, of the species 10 C. But Ty, what did, what was your thoughts on, uh, were you, were you a believer as well? That book was dead. Yeah. I mean, I thought, yeah, I mean, his ship blew up while he was transporting over. It seemed pretty, it seemed pretty (laughs) cut and dry. I actually thought the explanation made a lot of sense. Um, It was another weird area where like Zora, I was kind of like, Zora, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, how are you not aware? I feel like if somebody was beaming into your body, you'd keep a track of, uh, (laughs) you know, that, that signal. But I actually thought like, I was totally like, oh yeah, they like, we, we didn't know what it was, but we presumed its importance. I was like, that checks out. Um, (laughs) We we found this floating garbage out in space. Do you want it? Yeah. (laughs) But, but no, that's not garbage. Yes, we do want it. Please. The whole, uh, yeah, I don't think we're done with people, uh, you know, coming back from transporter buffers in, yeah. in Star Trek shows in 2022. Um, right. But the whole thing just for <laughs> the acting moment for Sonequa um, oh and God. for Michael Burnham, when she in that 10 second clip, yeah. like processes his death. And then puts it to the side so she can deal with it later and she can keep captaining this crew. I mean, wow. I mean, wow. It's incredible. Yeah. 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 She did it. She did the damn thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She did the damn thing. Mm -hmm. I I have, I have seen uh, many a mama do, do that, do that look. Um, Mm. And then, you know, you just stare, stare ahead, wide eyed, like, I still have shit to do. Mm. And, and then you go right back to work. So that, that, that was, that was a hell of a thing. Um, and, and it was, it was great to live through that moment. Um, another moment right before that, that I, that I, I want to point out uh, again, um, uh, my favorite character in all of Star Trek, I think is Odo. Uh, my second favorite character in all of Star Trek is probably uh, Lieutenant Commander or Commander Jet Reno. Um, yeah, because Tign- Tignataro is Kills incre- it. In- incredible every single time. She's, I mean, she just she steals, she steals every scene that she's in. It doesn't matter what she says. It Did you both just feel that way about her character from the beginning? Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah like hundred. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's. I mean, a couple... for, for for me, it was colored by the fact that I, I was I, I had been very a familiar big, with her as a stand up yeah, even sure, before yes. the, big, the big, special big that right. blew up like crazy. Right. Um, but I was like this, I like, I want to see this person doing more than just stand up because they have an incredible sense of timing right. and patience and like delivery. And just, I mean, the way that she tried one last time with Tarka was mm-hmm. some of the best acting that we've seen in the whole show. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and totally. that moment, that moment that she has with Burnham 
right? When she beams back on onto Discovery oh, gosh. on the bridge. Ooh. She she Ooh. she walks up and you know, and it was it was perfect. Like that was it was the right tone. It was just said the the perfect way. Um everything was conveyed in those moments and and she just has such a presence where um and you know that it's it's part the writing but it's it's like it's like 40% writing 60% Tignataro just taking the writing and translating it into what would i do in these moments and and just bringing so much of herself into the character um that is that is just really 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 well done um so yeah just a hell of a moment hey jet reno spinoff start the petition now <sighs> hey captain uh, reno know, i'm 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 there for it i'm there for it definitely um uh, you know but the uh, name is jet reno yeah it's so good yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh so so uh the one thing that I, I I just kind of don't understand is how do we how do we justify book being as naive as no, gullible we as we don't man like no, we don't compassionate we don't. you know Th- that was on them that that was on the production team they had their chance they right. fumbled it but everything else went so well that. You know, I can't, uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't say that I would forgive it, but I can look past it. Especially, sure. <clears throat> yeah, that's fair. But especially think about the way that this character was introduced to us as yes. somebody who was uh, willing to, um, you know, endure like ostracism basically and be, <clears throat> you know, essentially an outlaw to do something um, that he knew was right right like he was driven by not just this sense of moral outrage or hurt at what was happening to these animals or whatever that were getting shipped around right but um by his own like his his moral sense of like the value of a life right and and i just nothing about that computed with the character that was following Tarka around for season four of discovery. It just didn't. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Moises on this one. And I think you just sort of have to try and look past it. Um, And it's another add it to the list of reasons why I wish this plot line had not taken up a whole season because it kind of takes me back to Chekhov who mm -hmm. Chekhov is very competent, but also part of his character is apparently that Chekhov needs to be wildly incompetent when it's, when it's convenient for comic relief. For no good reason. Like <laughs> otherwise, he's one of the most competent people in the galaxy, except for when we need to make a dumb Russian joke. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> well, and and you know what, and what's what's even more confounding about it is the fact that as soon as he stopped being uh a shill, he being uh book in this instance, as soon as he stopped being a shill for Tarka, he went back to being the book that we knew and loved. Because that was the book that stood up and was like, no, you're not going to just walk away and say, sorry, we made the mess. You've got to clean up the mess. You've got to, you've got to, you know, and then you've got to not just make a mess where nobody is. You got to stop making the messes. I mean, like the, the, um, uh, the, the shorthand I have for when, when suddenly, 
they make somebody who is very competent, wildly incompetent for the sake of narrative convenience. I borrow from uh, my friend Lisa Schmeiser over in The Incomparable, which is they they suddenly become a beautiful space idiot. <laughs> they just, they get mm-hmm. infected with beautiful space idiot juice. Sure. And with, with book, like, I, they could have come up with a dumb sci-fi reason for it, like brain nanites that, that Tarka infected him with that, that just made him dumb or gullible or like pheromones. Hey, they got the Deltons in Picard, you know, right. they, 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 he, they brought back our friends with pheromones. He had the, uh, you know, his spider sense was tingling. Like he had this connection with the 10 C, you know, he was able to connect right. with them through his kind of whatever his little sort of sure, telepathic right, right. biological yeah. connection is. Right. I mean, it wouldn't have been far fetched to say that, something about that you know what i mean like kind of was able to to go past his normal uh reasoning or or something you know whatever yeah i'm sure there will be a tie-in comic book that retcons it for us nicely that (laughs) none of us will read (laughs) chris will read it for us um so so let's 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 talk about the big cameo yeah right so Stacey Abrams, political icon and self-professed trucker is the president of united earth uh, I definitely enjoyed the, that reveal and was impressed with her performance. Um, she also helped put a nice bow on the season by saying that United Earth has come home and rejoined the Federation. How did the cameo land with you? And were you convinced that the Federation has, had proven all they needed to for the Earthlings to return to the fold? Moises, I'll, I'll start with you. I mean, uh, to, to quote the cinema of Michael Bay. Uh, you need nothing more than a planet-threatening event to unite <laughs> all of Earth. Um, yeah, as as far as as far-fetched you know science fiction premises go, it, you know it worked and made sense. And for me, like there were there were things that choked me up that got me emotionally before we got to this point. Um, that I did not see this coming when I saw Stacey Abrams's face. I just started bawling, mm. just absolutely weeping, um, because. Uh, you know, unless you have been infected with, uh, with dumb fascist brain nanites, um, <laughs> people on either side of what used to be the left, right divide, um, understand that Stacey Abrams stands for, you know what, how about we just start with everybody's vote counts, right? Let's, let's start with the basic, the most basic tenet of democracy and we'll fix everything else later. And that she has done so much to further that cause, uh, you know, I, I look to Star Trek for hope. And when uh, one of the most prominent forces uh, for hope shows up in my Star Trek, it is a hope sandwich. And I go into, I have a hope diabetes crash. Right. And, <laughs> and yeah, I, it, it, it worked and then some for me. All right. Ty, what about you? I'd like to hear your thoughts on it first, see. All right. Well, um, you know, I marked out. I marked out for for Stacey Abrams. I, I really loved the the fact that she was the president. Uh, you know, unfortunately, what what uh, what I was saying when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, cool, it's Stacey Abrams." And uh, and then my next thought was, it's "The only time somebody's ever going to call a Madam President," because uh, <laughs> you know, I'm 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 totally convinced that uh you know those people that that are the trailblazers those people that pave the way that uh show everyone else the mountaintop never make it there right um 
you know, Martin Luther King didn't make it to the mountaintop. Uh, Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. won't ever play and, you know, play NFL football again. And Stacey Abrams, I like I I, I mm-hmm. want to be, un, you know, uh, uh, made to be a liar about this. But I don't believe that she'll ever hold, uh, you know, a, a, an elected office um, just simply because there's there's so much derision there. But 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 deserves it. Right. She's paved the way for other people to to attain those uh, attain those goals. And I think um, it 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 was right for at least sci fi to give her the flowers that she that she needed. Um, so I was, I was happy with that. What I, what I wasn't, I was all in with, with the way the episode went, but everything was kind of neat. And, and that was the thing that I was just like, all right, you know, yeah, again, it's, you guys kind of ran out of time. So of course she's going to come in and say, um, you, you crazy teenagers did save the rec center with your break dancing. Um, so, you know, you, you, we got the donations. The rec center is saved, and and now here you go. Yeah, and so, you also all got free full rides to yeah, right, yeah. right, right. So <laughs> you're all going to be doctors and lawyers, whatever <laughs> right, you want. Right. You can only be a doctor or a lawyer, but yeah, you're going to be a doctor uh, or a lawyer. Right. So I mean, so that was that was the part for me that I was like, oh, come on. But but like at that point, I was already on the ride. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, but, but I, but I love the fact that we came around this corner and around that corner on the ride with Stacey Abrams, like, oh yeah, that was dope. Yeah. I, I, it's so lovely hearing both of your experiences watching that episode. I wish that's the experience that I'd had. I I completely (laughs) agree with both of you about Stacey Abrams, the person and the politician. Um, congratulations to her for the opportunity. You can't. I, like she can't wear a severe black uniform with a cape as like Stacey Abrams, the 2022 politician. <laughs> right. uh, but she had that opportunity and she looked amazing and it was awesome. Yes. Uh, so that, that was really, really cool. Um, and I do love for me, there's this like, you know, kind of like fourth wall breaking through line of like the thing I always say about Star Trek is like, it's us. Right. And that's what makes it beautiful. Right. It's like, it's not this alternate universe. It's us in the future. And so a person like Stacey Abrams kind of being the literal representative political representative of us in the future um, is awesome. I didn't understand. I guess, I guess that the planet threatening event brought earth together. Uh, that doesn't, I've lived on earth my whole life. That doesn't ring true to me. Um, <laughs> See, well, here, here's, here's the, here's the, the, the thing that I didn't mention was in my head canon. I went, well, that was awful neat and tidy. I bet she fascisted some stuff into place real fast. Right, she, yeah. she, she yeah, really imposed. These are the time to yeah, do it. Right. Yeah. Well, look, well, that's time you know, for the iron I mean, will. Hundreds of thousands of, of earthlings had fled at, by that point. So whatever she needed to get pushed through, there were there were fewer fewer people in the way. Yeah, I just you know it's it's like we've seen so much evidence over the past two seasons of Discovery that mankind is not at its best. Right, things are not the idyllic version of. I mean, I I know that Starfleet is like the best of the best, right? And like you have to go through the academy and and that type right. of thing. But we know that in the in the the timeline where this episode takes place, that system is you know it's it's rebuilding but it's been fractured badly and i would love love to at least get you know this this maybe goes back to the whole pacing thing i would have loved an episode off to the side maybe it's a a nadoye um you know 
goes back to earth type of episode um, where we just got to feel like that was a little bit earned. Um, and, and it just, for me came back to actually discovery and captain Burnham are so amazing that not only did they write like successfully initiate first contact with the species, but they, they totally like they did it. They united earth and earth is now represented by somebody who symbolizes sort of, um, Right. In a lot of ways, regardless of your political beliefs, like the best of um, who we, we as people be. aspire to be. Right. Right. Um, right. And it just, I, I don't know, it just felt a little, uh, again, just uh, distracting is the word that keeps coming out of my mouth. I felt like so many parts of this episode were distracting. And I didn't, you know, she was a little bit, she, she read the lines. Um, <laughs> she had a little smile and was sort of i don't know i wanted to be like oh this is such a powerful thing right this like real life like awesome black woman and this like fictional right. character right. played right. by an awesome sure. play. like and, and i was right. just like i yeah maybe i need to give it another yeah, I mean, another well, watch it okay look that look to, yeah to be fair to you she's no president Tarina, okay Right, like <laughs> she didn't. She didn't sell me that she she's in charge of whole planet as much as President Tarina is like with my own two hands. I reunited Navarre. You know. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and uh, you know to that point, um, you know, Ty, as you know, I was a a, a, a true vocal opponent of the direction the creatives took with this season, mm -hmm. um, took with the crew this season. Um, but I was all in, all in by the time we got to the, we finished up with this season. Um, here we go. Here's your chance. How did you, how do you guys feel about this season overall? Um, Ty, I'll start with you. I, you know, I've said, you know, I've, I've gone on enough tangents throughout the course of this conversation. I think I've said a lot of what I wanted to say about this season. Right. Um, I think if you listen to our past couple of episodes together, you know that for a while I was trying to write, make the best of a situation that seemed to be kind of going a little bit off track. And for me, sure. my experience was uh you had the awesome like owo in the fighting ring casino like broker episode that was right. a high point for me and then it gets a little muddy and messy and like there's some not so great episodes where some things happen the let's go to the planet and do like space drugs through our suit episode was like <laughs> its own thing it was so interesting right, right? and we talked about it on, on debrief right. um but that like stands out to me that's all that's an episode i'll always remember for sure right second to last one where we're learning to decode and communicate was so cool i was like man maybe we're gonna bring it back we're gonna salvage that that came out i think the same uh, as as like episode one or two of picard um right which was also a pleasant surprise. So I was like, really? And, and maybe I set my own expectations too high for this final episode. Um, but I really was just totally blown away and distracted by like the, the complexity of the conversation that we're suddenly able to have with 10 C and how just unbelievably cool species 10 C turned out to be, uh, Oops, my bad. <laughs> oh, we, we totally have never met people who, like have this concept of individuality, but now that you say it, we get it and it sounds awesome and we're so sorry. And like, let us know where to send the cleanup crews. Um, and so 
for me, that combined with like Booker's journey, like we talked about and the place that Booker ended up, it's sort of like, okay, I mean, he's, he's going to be around. Um, but I don't know if I'm like super excited to see him again. Um, so, so I don't know that the season left me in a really weird place. I can't, I can't say that I ended up feeling as, as good about it as it seems like, uh, both of you did. Um, it's not for lack of trying, but yeah, I might have to give that final episode another another watch uh, and try and be more <laughs> open to the the ride uh, that right. that you know that it's taking me on. Moises, what about you? Uh, you know, Discovery is, it's a weird beast. You know, it went through the various showrunner changes. It was at one point conceived by Brian Fuller as a sort of anthology show that like jumped from one story to another season to season, that sort of thing. Um, it w- it was part of the grand reimagining of Star Trek, and I think you know the creative differences that were cited were that Brian Fuller had an idea of how to run all of Star Trek. And Alex Kurtzman had a much more expansive concept of what he really wanted running Star Trek to be like. And the, the messiness of spinning out of that is part of what we saw in the first couple seasons. And I would argue that like getting us all the way to the future was, was part of like, once they locked in on what they were going to do with discovery, this ship that could do something that a ship had never been established to be able to do in the pre TOS days, that kind of thing. Right. I think the plan for from 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 a ways back now has been that they were going to end up in the 31st century like this. Um, yeah. Where we go from here and how they chart the course for Star Trek from here on is an interesting question because we got commanders all over that bridge now. It's feeling very Star Trek five, Star Trek sexy. Everybody's right. a captain yep. or a commander yep. or something. Yep. Um, we we have our main character having ascended to the captaincy. Um, and, and keying in on the name of the show, maybe having taken the genie out of the bottle of going beyond the galactic barrier, that's the next thing for discovery to do is go outside the comfort zone that that they are, they are the, not the tip of the spear, but the tip of the, the, the space probe. Um, you know what Voyager one and Voyager two, which are still functioning by the way, are out there doing, um, Maybe that is what discovery is from this point um, in terms of, of the story that we're getting with these characters. Um, somehow or another, this flagship show is going to bear on what we're definitely going to get eventually, which is a show with Star Trek in the title that follows the crew of a starship called Enterprise. Like they're going to they're going to do that and not just with Strange New Worlds. It's a matter of. Right when we get to that next phase of what star Trek is doing. So like that big picture wise, that's where my head's at with discovery warts and all. Um, I, you know, I still, I still enjoy this show. Um, I think they are probably in a place where they are trying to figure out where they are taking this show next along that grand scheme. And I hope that they learn from, and this isn't to say that they should always listen to us armchair quarterbacks, but I hope that they learn from some of the rough stumbling blocks of season four that kind of lost people along the way who like the Tyra Banks gif says, you know, we're rooting for them all along. (laughs) Um, The promise of this show in its fifth season to really pay off all of this development, um, 
you know, it, it is like we've gotten four seasons of origin story for going boldly where no one has gone before. Um, they've gone various places in ways that nobody's gone before. They've gone to a time that nobody gone to before. Um, right. but, uh, and, and the, like, this, this is what I'll, I'll, I'll close with that, um, uh, is that the notion of them doing some sort of big crossover thing, time travel doesn't happen in the 31st century because of the temporal wars. What if that is the crossover? What if, what if mm. all this Romulan stuff that we got on Picard season one, um, you know, the Romulan stuff that, that, uh, that is, that is a part of the reunified Navarre in this far future. Mm. Um, you know, we're, we're playing with the Borg on Picard. There are lingering questions about various origin stories of why the Romulans are so against artificial intelligence, why they, uh, why they operate so secretively. Um, are we, are we going to head toward defining some origin stories that have been untouched across all of Star Trek canon? And then where does that leave this crew? What is this crew's lasting legacy going to be? Is Star Trek going to stay in the 31st century? Or are we going to go back to the post Picard era with some of the lessons of what they went to this far flung future for? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. And I like that. I don't know. And I just, you know, I, I hope they continue to learn and grow based on, on what they've done and the feedback that's out there from the fans that are with them on this stuff. Yeah. So I, uh, well said, I, I, um, I was the opposite of Ty during the course of the season where, where Ty was kind of going along for the ride. And then, you know, at the end of at towards the end of the ride, he was like, yeah, this ride was kind of dumb. Um, I was, I was in the middle of the ride thinking, Oh, this is not the ride that I thought I was going to be on. And by the end of the ride, it was like, ah, you know what? It wasn't bad. Um, and, and Moises, I've been like you at the end of season two, I said, oh, seasons one and two of Discovery were a prequel. Season three is when the show is actually going to start because now we're in this new space, right? We're in this far-flung future. Then at the end of season three, I said, okay, well, season three established the fact that the Federation was, was, you know, was not there and, and, and uh, the crew of Discovery helped to reestablish the Federation in in uh, in space. And season four will be about you know now the now the series is really going to begin where they're helping to reestablish what the Federation is in the in the thirty first century in the thirty second century. Um, and now here we are at the end of season four. And they really haven't done like they started. They really teased that at the beginning of the season, that that was kind of going to be a thing with the first contact with the moth people, um, with the butterfly people. And, um, you know, and then we we kicked into another season yet again of the stakes being super duper high. And that has been a you know, it has been a consistent issue for me that uh, here we are, we've, we've now, we, we now know that Michael Burnham, right. Is, is a, is a human Vulcan who is the sister of the, 
most most one of the most famous and infamous uh uh people in in the history of of history um and then was single-handedly genetically um predisposed to being able to thwart the existential threat of AI taking over the entire universe eventually, um, then went to space and was, uh, or went to the future a thousand years into the future and was single-handedly uh, the person that was able to determine how we could get the trill to come back into the Federation, but then also, her relationship with Saru was was important to help Saru to be the the one person who could prevent the burn from continuing or from from getting more burnt. And now here we are yet again in another season where where the connections of Michael Burnham were responsible for saving the galaxy yet again. I like she's she's a badass right i love sonequa martin green i love michael burnham um you know i love what she means as a character above and beyond just what she is as a character and and who she is as an actor sonequa martin green um but i am i am so very very tired of this series deciding that at the beginning of the series we've got to find some you know, galactic event that only the 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 command crew of Discovery is uniquely qualified to fix. Um, and and one thing that they were able to do in this season that I absolutely adored and was really upset in the middle that we weren't exploring was how we've learned so much more about this crew. Finally. Right. Like we're four seasons in and we're finally like, I finally know who the Asian dude is and, and, you know, and, and Owo's got a nickname now. Right. Like that's like, this is, this is really cool, but I want to know more about these people. Right. I want to, I want, I want to have more episodes like the one where Burnham and Owo go and Owo's fighting and and you know that that casino episode was fantastic all the way around right like it was great it was a great little diversion we you know we had a lot of fun and there were lots of really great episodes in in this season i just wish they weren't encapsulated with this again you know if they fail the, the existence ends right like we can't we can't keep doing that we, like we can't keep having it is it is boy who cried wolf syndrome right like we can't keep having stakes this high Cicero, because then they just won't mean anything just for context the dma right. diameter of five light years right 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 um from the sun to pluto point zero 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 six two eight light years uh, yes, just yes, just for a yes. sense of stakes right with that right one. Uh, right. what, what I would love to have seen more of this season that I think would solve a lot of our problems. Uh, there was an episode where Tilly is working with a bunch of Starfleet cadets, uh, episode yes. four of the season, all is possible. Um, and seeing the rest of the discovery crew play their part, um, in 
right? Showing us what it means to rebuild the Federation. What does that, Absolutely. what does that mean to unite earth and to, to create a society that feels like it is coming home by rejoining with the Federation, right? And seeing right. our crew members engage with that instead of engage with kind of a bunch of like side quests, right? Before finally getting to the final mission in the last couple of episodes, I think for me would have been a lot more enjoyable uh, of a ride this season. And I think address like a lot of the things that we've talked about, like with, with pacing um, and with, with stakes and with the kind of just singular importance of Michael in this universe. Like right, she's right. definitely, uh, we're, we're lucky to have her. You know? right, right. Exactly. Wouldn't be around without her, but it, you know Michael what? Burn- Skywalker uh, around right, her, right, everything right. revolves <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like for me, this season could have been much more about further fleshing out the crew. And yes. you know, yeah, there's the the famous axiom of always leave them wanting more, but you're, you're leaving me wanting a bit too much more. Right. I really four show four seasons into this show, I want, I want more of like you know, uh, uh, Adira. Adira's idolization of Detmer and getting right. to play that kind of dynamic of stuff. That's why season five, I really want to be going boldly beyond the galactic barrier, exploring further with this new, very powerful ally that, you know, maybe, maybe that is their, that is their signal beacon that allows them to communicate back home across the barrier because they've made that friend. Let's go out there. Let's get weird and leave the season long five light year diameter threats behind. And maybe we pick up that again, this is playing into my conspiracy. Uh, we pick up that something is not right across the universe and that this 31st century reality thinks that, Oh, well the temporal wars fixed everything. Nope. Because some jerk named Picard is jumping around in time. And some dude named Kirk just won't stop time traveling. And all those, um, all those, all those fractures in the space time continuum are starting to converge and cause a problem. And, and we get, we get the big, you know, reality in existence, threatening thing at the end of the season. And we just, we don't even get the level of like DMA or burn level teases of stuff. Just let it, let it be something that, that is there, but we don't need, we don't need to hang lanterns on it, but <laughs> we have stuff that in retrospect is like, Oh crap. Okay. All right. Like l- let us see that right at the end of the season and just l- let the season end on a cliffhanger. Let it end right. on a cliffhanger for once. You don't have to resolve everything at the end of a season. Yeah, not if, well, if you're not sure you're coming back, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you know, wrap up, wrap up your, uh, loose ends. Um, but speaking of loose ends, I'll, I'll just say, uh, we, we seemingly lost, uh, Mary Wiseman as Tilly during the course of this season. Um, she's off teaching at Starfleet Academy, um, had a great, great, uh, send off in, in the, in the final episode, book is doing his best Jimmy Carter impersonation um, out there doing habitat for, for uh, extraterrestrials. Yes. Right. (laughs) Um, And, and gray is off learning how to be corporeal. Um, 
which of those characters would you like to see return or um, any of them? I, you know, personally, I would love a, uh, a, either a spinoff show or a couple of short treks where, where Tilly is teaching people at the Academy. You know, I, I would love to see a couple of those. Um, but, uh, any, anything else, Moises, I mean, what, what I, about Starfleet you? Academy side story that is, that is, you know, like discovery season 4.5, that's right. like four or five episodes that, that gives, uh, gives Mary something to do that might, you know, be something that could become its own show, you know, for ages, there's always been talk of, Oh, the Starfleet Academy show. Uh, right. it's always been, why isn't there a show set at Starfleet Academy? I mean, the 2009 Star Trek movie was almost a Starfleet, Starfleet Academy movie. Um, th- there is something there and, you know, I think reading the tea leaves, I, I don't think, I don't think they're being terribly subtle about their interest in doing a Starfleet Academy show. Um, right. and that was, that, that episode was kind of a backdoor pilot to, um, let's, let's teach these young idiots to be less of idiots. Um, uh, you know, uh, gray, I, 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 you know, maybe, maybe gray folds back into the crew, um, book. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they don't just like immediately undo what they did if they want to involve him regularly again. Um, it's almost like, I, I feel like he and Burnham need to be pen pals next season. <laughs> until the big crossover mm-hmm. event brings everybody back together again. Mm-hmm. Like season five needs to be about the other officer crew of discovery more so than anything else. Yeah. Um, and, and if that means, you know, sidelining Tilly in, in her own Starfleet Academy, you know, mini show. Okay. Um, I don't see why she can't also fit into it, but then I remember, how difficult it seems to have been for them to do anything other than focus on mostly Saroon Burnham. Right. Right. Yeah. Ty, uh, what, who would you like to see? What would you like to see? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I could see Tilly, obviously her role with Starfleet Academy. She's also looking fabulous in the new black uniform. Yes. Yes. Um, but you know, her arc really seems like it was about her not being sure whether she belonged and trying to become a leader. Um, Mm. and in her conversation with, um, general uh you know osiris uh, ad- from destiny oh, yeah right right oh the admiral uh, yeah, yeah the admiral yeah um yeah. she sort of made it clear that she has um she sort of reached a point of feeling successful and contented in her right. uh life and career so i'm you know i i feel like in ready room i i sort of remember them saying mary wiseman was definitely going to be back around um and involved with star Trek. Um, and I don't know if they just meant in a showing up at convention sense or whether that was alluding <laughs> to, you know, uh, right. like the future of her appearances on the show. But, you know, to me, Tilly's story is, is I love the character, but it's like com- kind of complete in some ways. Um, I'm, I'm sort of okay with her going off and doing her thing. And if we see more of it, awesome. I would tune in for that. And if we don't, that feels okay to me too. Um, you know, book, I you completely agree with what Moises said. Like you just have to, you have to find some way like the best case scenario, his memory gets erased or something. I don't know. And then maybe we can go from there, but you know, he's just, I don't know. Like when you're that, yeah. uh, gullible and, um, 
I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like there's like a, like I'm not excited for you to have a place in this, in this show, in this universe where, you know, I enjoy watching it because people are, uh, make better decisions than, than you, uh, than book did. Uh, and then gray, I totally, uh, I like, I enjoy his presence, but like, what is he, you know, you said back on the crew, but what is doing what? I don't understand what his role (laughs) is there. And so if they figure out what that is, then like great i think there's potential you know the relationship between um gray and adira has been interesting to just kind of see adira was really worried when gray left but now in kind of some follow-up conversations we've seen that actually they've felt sort of a new sense of freedom um and you know have maybe a little more positive on the being by themselves than uh they or us as viewers might have expected so i think that stuff is like fun to explore but like you know we keep like we were just talking about with the rest of the crew we keep getting it in these like 15 second bursts and like i i still am not sure what gray is like doing there except to sort of like burst into the room at, at like <laughs> you know in conversations <laughs> about zora or, or something like right. that um if they figure out something for gray to do i'm all for uh, having him back and, and seeing how that relationship right between gray and Adira evolves or continues to, uh, you know, change into something a little well, more if, collegial and less intimate. It, if they send more people on away missions, you need more people to send on those away missions. You know, you yeah. need more characters yeah. to cycle through. So I'm sure that if they actually give them something to do, <laughs> gray will have something to do. And it's all, and it just back to, I mean, it does seem like, I, I don't know. I'm surprised by how little focus we've had on Starfleet's rebuilding, right? And actually, like, it seems like, hey, you're somebody who has, like, lived on a Starfleet ship and has all this experience. You're one of, like, there's only a handful of people who are from hundreds of years in the past. Nobody makes a big deal out of that anymore. Right. But, like, <laughs> right. It, it does seem like a big deal. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I don't know. Like if America collapsed and, and suddenly we woke up from cryogenic sleep and we're like, Oh, there's only like 20 guys who were alive before the collapse. Like, I feel like we'd, we'd, we'd be like, Hey, so what was that like? What like, was that like? Right. Maybe we can learn a thing. Right. <laughs> but everyone's just sort of like, yeah, they're from the past. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah, don't worry know, about right. it. Let's, let's do our thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. The uniforms are the same. Um, the, yeah. So, um, Tilly is, I love Mary Weissman. I love the character of Tilly. Mm-hmm. It feels like Tilly's arc really changed once they went into the future. Um, and I think that we've, we've gotten to wherever they wanted the character to go. That's where they are. Um, and yeah, I would love a couple of short treks where Tilly is doing uh, Starfleet stuff. As, as Moises said, if it becomes a backdoor pilot for a Starfleet show, go right ahead as long as everybody is on board with doing that i'm all for it i'll watch it um book it is it's just weird i really love the character um you know i like they keep playing with this two season love affair that that uh that you know, Burnham has with a particular you know with particular characters and then you know at the end she's got a make the sacrifice to let go of that love. Um, I hope if book is gone, that they just let that go. And we, you know, we don't wind up with a new bow for the yeah, next totally. two seasons. Agreed. Um, and as far as gray goes, uh, I, I, you know, I'm in the same boat with you, Ty. Uh, and, and in fact, I, I think 
you know, we said it before on debrief that like Gray got less interesting as soon as as he became corporeal. Right. And and like because there was just less for him to do. And that relationship between Adira and Gray became less special to me because it was they were two entities. And, you know, I, I'm personally I'm perfectly fine with Gray being stuck wherever wherever he is. Uh, learning, learning that stuff, or uh, you know, as as you've already said, Ty, like you know, maybe joining joining the the academy and becoming a, an instructor at the academy uh, might be a, a a good thing. It seems like they want Gray to be almost like a Guinan type of role, but they don't really. It doesn't. It like that doesn't really fit yeah. with the character, and I wonder if you'll right. see Gray return with this ancient wisdom. Well, yeah, they, right, they, right. they, they already yeah. put a Ferengi behind the bar, so I mean, job's yeah. already filled. <laughs> gonna put yeah, a right. gonna put a Ferengi out of work. Well, right. did Guinan really? Uh, I don't know. I didn't see her like actually mixing up a whole. Make, okay, make, okay, make, okay, fair, fair, fair. The, the Ferengi needs a manager. <laughs> uh, well, you know. Um, uh, that's a perfect place to end it. So yeah, I'll say that uh, that brings us to the end of, of this episode of discovery debrief. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And if you would be so kind as to like share and subscribe to our feeds, we would greatly appreciate it. If you subscribe in a place where you can leave a review, please do so. And we'd be honored to read it in our, on our podcast at a future date. I want to thank our special guest, Moises Chulian. For joining us, Moises, please plug all of your things. Uh, the simplest thing is you can follow me on Twitter at Moises Chiu, M-O-I-S-E-S-C-H-I-U. Uh, I got some podcasty stuff in the works. By the time Strange New Worlds is on the air, uh, one of those things will be an interview that I did with Ethan Peck and Anson Mount a few years ago at a con that is it's it's even it's even more interesting now that Strange New Worlds is a thing because when we did it, Strange New Worlds hadn't even been greenlit. They were still waiting to hear. Um, mm-hmm. and I've got a, a variety of other interviews in my archives that are finally going to see the light of day. So just follow me on Twitter. That's the easiest way to keep up with me. Nice. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much. And, and hopefully if you enjoyed your time, you'll come back and, and visit us again. I, uh, I will gladly serve, uh, whenever called fleet admiral. Uh, oh man. Uh, uh, peek behind the curtains. I get, I got called admiral for the first time. That was, that was his name. Uh, Moises' is, <laughs> name was the Admiral. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you'll always be the Admiral to me, sir. Uh, but for everyone else, stay tuned to this feed as we look to come back with more regular recap episodes of all things Star Trek, including the ongoing adventures in Season 2 of Star Trek Picard. But until then, go boldly, my friends. My friends.